This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not meant for anyone younger than 13. Do not harass any of the names mentioned in this episode. Travel to the virtual reality of you, a place where you can encounter mutants, beasts, and your wildest imagination in John vs. Bell. Hey everybody and welcome back to John vs. Film and today we're taking a look at Mamoru Hosoda's latest movie Bell or also known as Yuto Sobak I'm sorry but let me try it again Yuto Sobakasu no Hime I think that's how you pronounce it. I, I'm sorry. My Japanese is, again, very rusty, very uh, beginner level, so forgive me if I butcher it. But yeah, this movie actually came out in Japan last year, but it managed to make it to several U.S. theaters just recently this month. And also because it is a recent film, I'm going to double down to make sure that you know, there are spoilers for this movie. I'm. This is your last warning. I'm going into spoilers for the movie. But anyway, it's uh, the movie's about the shy girl Suzu, who unfortunately lost her mother as well as her ability to sing. But she's able to overcome her anxiety about singing and all that by creating a virtual avatar uh, in this virtual world known as you, where she becomes a very popular, well-known, you know, internet superstar, but she encounters a dragon avatar that everybody dislikes on the internet. Yeah, that that's a good summary of everything. Uh, but anyway... As you can probably tell from that brief little synopsis I gave and with the movie being called Bell, that yes, it's very much, you know, taking inspiration. No, not even inspiration. It is a Beauty and the Beast story. It's very, very clear on that. But like always... Oh, and yeah, by the way, I should also mention this movie is not only directed by Mamoru Hosoda as part of the Mamoru Hosoda month on my podcast, it is also written by Mamoru Hosoda as well. So this is very much an auteur film we got going on. And so I just want to mention that before I get into what I... How I normally do things at the podcast. I start off with what I like and what I dislike. And 
Yeah, I also got to mention that I am recording this about four, yeah, four days since I actually, you know, saw the movie. So my memory's a little bit rusty. I actually, well, funny thing is, I went to see the English dub of the movie because the only theater, you know, like the only showtimes that were available, or at least I only saw available for when it came out, like on the 14th, was, you know, in a theater that's about an hour away from where I live. And I had to go during the day, you know, so like the 1250 showing because again, an hour away. And it was also, it's the middle of January. And I live up in the Northeast. So we've got some snow and I didn't really want to be driving through snow at night. So even if it was snowing, I would have at least had daytime, you know, all that, that, that makes a difference while driving through the snow. But anyway, but when I got home, I found out that the movie was showing at a more local theater. So I blame Google for that. Google did not, or I don't know. It was just very last minute. It's like, oh yeah, the movie's going to be playing at, you know, local theater. So I could have seen the Japanese version if I wanted to. But again, I drove just how I found out about things and the showtimes not being listed, you know, right away for a local, like my local city. Or at least a city closer to me, like closer than an hour. Uh, that's the reason why I saw the English dub. But anyway, with that out of the way, let's go into what I like about this movie. And the first is I gotta give my hat, my heart, my everything, you know, just all the credit to the animation. I think. This, like, both the 2D and 3D animation, like, the visuals overall, I'm just going to categorize this as just the visuals, because first, we'll, we'll break it down. So, start off with the 2D animation. Of course, this is to be expected, though, as Hosoda has a lot of experience directing 2D animated films, so it's to be expected that his, you know, craft to scale would grow more and more as well as the technology getting better and better you would expect the quality to at least see some improvement and that's what i think we see here and this movie i think this is one of the best you know like 2d animated movies that he's directed and he's also always had like a very great eye for like 2D visuals, I guess I want to say, you know, because uh, even when I saw Digimon the movie when I was a little kid, that looked like the best Digimon, you know, animation I've ever seen back when I was a kid. And of course, me being at the States and all that. But yeah, so there's no surprise with 2D animation being really great. He's, you know, phenomenal there. But the 3D animation... That was really well executed. See, 3D anime has gone through, you know, doesn't have the best reputation, we'll say that. 
But I will say that 3D anime is getting a lot better. As we've seen through example, like Beastars. Beastars is a phenomenal example of 3D animation. Well, just 3D anime at its best. You know, so in recent years, you know, we've gotten that. And I will criticize, I forgot. So the thing is, my next review, I recorded way before I actually saw Bell. So I... The future, me from the future, is come to my podcast to tell you that I brought up a criticism about the next movie I'm talking about when there was some 3D animation used, and I didn't think it it was a bit distracting. But anyway, go away, future me. We'll see you next week. <laughs> okay, but in all serious though, you know, here though the 3D is very well executed and it's also very like well used so like i mentioned before there's this like virtual world you know the internet but it's called you and whatever happens in you that's 3d but what happens in the real world that's 2D. I think that's a good way of, you know, split, you know, making visually distinct, you know, uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought, but I, I guess, you know, the like already they're just visually distinct between the two worlds and also allows Hosoda to not use a white void background for the internet world like he did in Summer Wars. And yeah, People are going to be comparing this movie to Summer Wars as it does feel somewhat of a successor to Summer Wars and spiritually, you know, with, you know, avatars, the internet, with this fantastical internet place and whales. Can't forget about the whales. Hosoda loves whales in his virtual realities. But yeah, and... You could tell that they really used 3D effectively in the world of view as well, with the camera and all that. And even the camera work in the 2D, you know, animation is very well done. I will give credit to the lighting, and as part of the visuals, I should say, the lighting and cinematography of this movie is really great. It is a very much a visual treat. There's a scene near the end again by the way i'm going into a major spoiler you know so very very last warning back out now if you want my recommendation if you should go see it or not go see it all right now bye bye you who hasn't seen it somehow is listening to this unknown podcast <laughs> okay but okay it's, without that way in the movie uh, Suzu reveals herself to the internet as the average, you know, looking girl, and then she sings a song overcoming, like overcoming her, you know, fear of singing as Suzu. But that I want to just say the visuals of that scene were really, really good, like the lighting and the cinematography and all that. It was so executed. 
And even in an earlier scene where Suzu is like kind of trying to write sort of like a song in her head to, I guess, I don't want to say seduce the bass. That's not the right word. More as though to, it, it is somewhat of a love song, you know, but it is to just try to have the beast open up to her, you know, the dragon or whatever you would like to call him. But, you know, while she's doing that, and she's doing this in the real world, you know, she's like dancing and humming and all that. But what makes it great is the lighting. You know, we see the sun, you know, the sunlight going through the tree branches and we see that reflected on her face. It's very nice. Very well done. So, again, visuals. Well done. Well done, Hosoda. And my second thing that I like is the characters. I really liked a lot of the main cast. Well, mostly like, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not all developed super well, but overall I felt, you know, all the characters were really good, especially Suzu, you know, slash Belle. She was very well executed, very three-dimensional pun not intended <laughs> but no she's you know she is very much this like you know you get the sense you know that of who she is you know visually you know Hosoda does a good job of portraying her shyness her anxiety her wanting to her social anxiety just she doesn't like people having eyes on her and just the character designs as well i forgot to mention the visuals the characters designs were great but that's i guess to be expected at this point but anyway with that aside i felt the characters were real in a sense um like they felt more like real people uh, there's this really, even like minor characters who don't get that much developed, like Suzu's uh, childhood friend and who's like the popular girl at school and her classmate who's like the only member of the, what was it, the kayak club or something like that. Well, anyway, her, there's this scene at the trains or bus station where Suzu's friend, I gotta look her up real quick. I have the cast list right here. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to look at her. Yeah, sorry. I'm horrible with names. But anyway, what I'm trying to get as Suzu's friend, she uh, goes up to, you know, they bump into the guy. Hey, okay, okay. Let me start up. Let me start over. <laughs> Sorry, this is bad part. Forget all that rambling. But anyway, so Suzu and her friend, they're walking into the bus station, and Suzu's friend is has a crush on the kid the member of the kayak club 
and they bump into him at the bus station and Susan's friend is all nervous and she goes like I'm, I'm rooting for you and the <laughs> and the kayak kid he he freaks out he's like wait wait so so does this so when a girl says that they're rooting for you does, does that mean <laughs> they have a crush on her? and by the way he did this before with Suzu when he thought the same that when Suzu said that but that was definitely like Suzu's like, wait, whoa, whoa, no. But this time, it was, you know. So Suzu's friend gets, like, all embarrassed. And the kayak kid, he goes, oh, oh, oh I, was, I was joking. I, I don't think it's Suzu's just like, yeah, yes. You're, no, no, you're right. <laughs> and the kayak kid, he just has a shrug face like, what the? And he slowly backs away out of the bus stop. Go watch this clip on YouTube. It is hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> my, my theater was dying of laughter during that scene. It was hilarious. But it's those little moments where, yeah, that feels like an awkward, you know, high school <laughs> confession. Uh, but anyway going to the characters what i really like is i guess in other movies so how it sets up is that the beauty and the beast start part of the story it takes place in the world of you so you got your gaston you got your beast you got the castle and all. you got bell of course you got all these so they could have like other movies could have easily just had the beast be you know Suzu's you know real high school crush could have had Gaston be Suzu's father or the popular friend because they've also established in the movie that you know in the world of you that people like their avatars don't exactly represent their gender or their sexuality you know act through it's more of like a reflection of inner self and how they want to be portrayed you know innerly so with suzu she is you know her you know avatar is very beautiful you know and all that that's like her real inner self but you know and there's just like this reflection of the world of you gets a little convoluted, but anyway. But my point is, though, any other movie, they would have easily just gone and say, oh, all these characters are interconnected in this vast internet world. That, to me, would have been unrealistic, and I'm so glad that didn't happen. The Beast turns out to be a kid named Kai. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Kai. And you know, who is suffering from domestic abuse from his father in Tokyo. And he is also trying to protect his little brother from, you know, his abusive father. And so it was great to see that, you know, these avatars, like, the internet people don't exactly represent you know they're not 
just this niche group in this, you know, that are just in Suzu's, you know, circles, you know, which again, on one hand would have created a more personal story, but at the same time, it would not, it would feel too unrealistic, especially knowing the internet. So, and the Gaston is, we don't know who he really is outside of you. You know, he, oh, by the way, his name is Justine. You know, that's kind of a weird name, but anyway, I, I've just, by the way, as an ultra man, you know, tokusatsu nerd, I love how the, you know, Justine and his group of people look like tokusatsu heroes. You know, very anime-esque, but still very tokusatsu-esque as well. But, yeah, and I also love Suzu's development throughout the movie, you know, just overcoming her anxiety, her fear, you know, and trying to understand why her mother died, you know, finally moving on with her life and embracing herself, not afraid to face people in the real life, not, you know, she's no longer afraid. That's, I, I like that transformation, but I know I've been on the topic of characters for a while, and I know it's been a little rambly, but I just want to point out that I feel like even the minor characters as well, they really do a good job, you know, portraying, you know, feeling a bit more realistic, at least on an emotional scale. Uh, it feels like the world of you, at least, you know, I know people have a lot of problems with it, but I do think. You know, it portrays, there's some things that portray, you know, the internet culture, or at least are a mirror to modern day internet culture. But I'll get to that in, you know, a little later on. But on the very, very final point, because again, I saw, I watched the English dub of the movie. I got to give a props to the English voice actors. They really sold it, especially Suzu's actress. She is amazing. And this will transition on to my next point is the music. Now, this isn't a musical, but there's a lot of singing. Uh, think of it as if you've seen Pixar's Coco, that's, you know, I would not call Coco a musical, but there's, you know, a lot of characters singing. You know, there's a lot of, you know, musical moments, but. The difference is characters just like uh, they don't just break, you know, into song out of nowhere and all that. Like, you know, the songs are very much there's a reason for them. Mostly, you know, like Belle, she is a popular, you know, icon. You know, so she has concerts. She is singing for them. People hear the singing. And even when she starts singing the first time, when she pops into you, you know, just that disbelief, like, wow, I can actually sing in here, you know, because she gets to hide behind her avatar. But people point out, it's like, what I love is that, just real quick, at that moment, the, you know, all the characters in you, they... Like the people are just kind of passing by, they spot her, but they're like, 
they kind of listen, but they're like, what a weirdo. You know, okay, someone just randomly singing out of nowhere. Kind of like if you encounter a street performer, that that kind of feels what it's like. But anyway, that was kind of sidetracked. But the music was really great. Like, And I just want to give a huge prop to English Dub for this because English Dubs, when it comes to singing, have always have had a history of being very spotty they've there's always been you know like uh they just don't like the english covers don't always or are rarely as good as the original you know like very rarely so that i was initially hesitant to even go see the english dub because I was, you know, afraid that, you know, because there was a lot of singing that, oh no, the singing is not going to be up to par. But no, and I actually looked up the songs before I went to see the movie and I was able to be like, no, these actually sound really good. These sound as good as the Japanese version. I am so glad that they do. And the voice actress for Suzu. Huge, huge prop to Professor. Hang on, let me try to get her on IMDb. Let's see. Uh, like I think, yeah, so all right, I think she is the singing voice as well as the speaking voice, but. Kylie McNeil. She does a phenomenal job. Her singing is incredible. How they are able to keep it, though, the quality of the Japanese you know, rendition. It's tr- very well done. So huge props to Kylie. Phenomenal job. Is This is definitely one of the best English covers of Japanese you know, music and anime that I've seen. I know that's a very specific niche, but hey, hey, it's okay. Uh, my next point is I did like the overall story. I, I, I'm just going to lightly tap through this because I kind of talked about a lot of this in the characters, but uh, it does use... Like I mentioned before, it uses Beauty and the Beast and as like sort of a backbone or like a leaping point. It's not 100% faithful to Beauty and the Beast because the thing is the Beauty and the Beast part, that only is happening in the 3D environment. But, you know, it does sort of like influence the 2D world as well or the real world. You know, so I like that aspect as well. And I was also love that it was not, the movie was not afraid to talk about real issues like domestic violence, you know, abuse, you know, uh, grieving the, you know, the post and the, what having to witness losing like a loved one, especially a parent, like at a very young age the impacts that it does to your psyche having you know really because the thing is in the movie there's this like 
montage at the beginning showing Suzu's relationship with her mother. And her mother was the reason Suzu got to making music, singing, and all that. Like, she really got Suzu into the line of really wanting to create music and sing and all that. But after Suzu's mother's death and, you know, witnessing that, um, you know, like, pretty much what happens in the movie, Su like, Suzu's mom, she goes in to save a child from a... Uh, in the middle, stuck in the middle of a river during this raging storm, and she ends up losing her life while saving the child. She gets swept into the storm. You know, and by the way, I will say there was very good visual foreshadowing during that montage to show that, you know, what, how she, you know, Susan's mom died. But yeah, I love how it shows. You know the real impacts of Suzu and how, because of that death, she wasn't able to sing. She wasn't, you know, she started to hide in her own shell, so to speak. She was afraid of the real world. You know, she became a bit distant from her father. There's no abuse between her and her father, and for other, like her father tries to, you know talk but she distanced herself from her peers and her family and yeah there's a point in the movie where when she tries to sing as Suzu she ends up throwing up you know it, like I think it's very powerful and I'm glad that the movie doesn't shies away like the you know trauma that something like that actually has on a character you know on a person or how it can have a person at a very young age. You know? But I also love, you know, how Suzu at the end kind of understands where her mother was coming from. Because throughout, you know, when she passed away, she was like mad at her mom and understand, you know, by the way, she was still, again, a kid when her mother sacrificed herself to save a life. But, Suzu was honestly, as a kid, un understandably frustrated because she's like, why would you take away, like, why would you save this kid and leave me alone? Why would you leave me? That's where her frustration comes. That's where, you know, as a kid, she, her understandable frustration. Uh, but at the end, when she goes in to save Kai, who is the real form of the beast, you know, Kai from his uh, abusive father, you know, she becomes like her mother and she risks her own life to save these kids. So she, because they couldn't get child protective services in Japan, I don't know how that works, but I, one of the minor characters, you know, they try to call like, hey, there's a domestic abuse situation going on. Can you please look into it? And, you know, we don't know the address, but we know the neighborhood. You know, like, they wanted to do a wellness check, but the people were like, yeah, no, we can't do anything for 48 hours because that's the law. So what happens... And so in that aspect... Okay, 
I can't really comment on that aspect because I do not have enough knowledge on how Japanese laws work when it comes to that situation. So there's a lot of like for that specific moment, there's a lot of information that I do not have to fully commentate on that. You know, I will say, but it gets I just need to tell you where this is going. So because of that, Suzu try to try to save Suzu's kids. She goes to Tokyo by herself and has this great scene and storming out. She reunites with Kai and her brother, you know, but then the father comes out chasing. She Suzu literally puts her body, you know, between the father and Kai and his brother. She is literally protecting him. And the movie also gets a little brutal in this movie because the father is trying to rip Suzu off of them. I mean, like, these are my kids. And even, you know, like, scratches Suzu's face by. Oops, sorry. I didn't mean to hit my mic. But he, like, scratches her cheek, her face. And, you know, and we see the blood gushing out. It goes brutal. Like, holy shit. But, and then it goes to mirror. But anyway, that scene then goes to mirrors on what we've been dealing in the 3D world. Because the beast, who turns out to be Kai, who is a victim of abuse, he's been lashing out in this world of you, but Belle reaches out to her and she kind of reveals that he's kind of just a lot of bark. Not so much, but like, there's a lot of... he he She was not, you know able to be scared away from his, you know, screaming him, just saying, don't look at me, leave me alone, you know, just warring at her, you know, and, which is the reason why, again, Belle was able to manage to reach through to the beast because she was able to actually listen, you know, actually to get past that, you know, part that's just because anyway she understands that he's doing this not because he's a very vindictive evil person or that but because he is scared and all that and she realizes that so the beast design he has like a cape that has a bunch of bruises what ends up happening is that those bruises are the real emotional toll that he's doing from his father or sometimes even physical toll you know, of just the father beating him and his little brother up. So anyway, you know, what happens, anyway, going back to the scene where Suzu's confronting the father after he tries to rip her off unsuccessfully, Suzu stands up, looks at him in the eye, and the father, become, you know, turns out to be like the beast, you know, and he starts, he raises his fist up at her and he starts screaming at her, you know, just, you know, like, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to punch you. He doesn't say that, but that's the sentiment. But it doesn't flinch Suzu. And that's where we see the father's cowardice is scared because he ended up couldn't hit her and even like stumbles back onto the ground, shaking. 
it's not the, oh, because he can't hit a lady. That's not it. No, because he realizes he couldn't scare her. He couldn't control her. Like, he couldn't use his anger to scare her into doing what he wanted to happen. He lost control at that point. That's what scared him. So, I really love those moments in the movie. And my final point of what I like about this movie, I know I've been talking about a lot of this movie. I, I very much enjoyed this movie. Is Okay, even though I know I've heard a lot of criticisms, and I guess I'll lightly touch upon them and the dislikes and criticisms. Is uh, But I will say that overall, I did like the world of you, or at very least the idea of it. Just kind of this super mega internet hub with a virtual reality where you have this like little earbuds that connect you to this virtual avatar that you can control through your thoughts and emotions or whatever. Um, anyway, there, there's a lot of suspension to disbelief. I will give, I will have to say, tell the movie that a lot of, you gotta give a lot of suspension of disbelief of like, oh, how can you control your avatar while actually control your actions in the movie? How can you like, there's a lot of questions about this, but that doesn't matter. But I will say I did like the idea of it. Well, first of all, one, I did mention the world of you. It's visually beautiful. But anyway, I want to mention that it was scary at times at how it mirrors internet culture or just the internet, which I know people are like, they look into the more weird and, you know, like, how does the world of you work? You know, they look too focused into that and they don't, and they, because they focus into that, I feel like, and it's the same thing that happened with Oz and Summer Wars where people are like, how does this work? This is, this is unrealistic. That's not how the internet works at all. And it's just like, no, it's an excuse for Hosoda to go, you know, let his freedom of creativity roam, you know, visually at least. You know, it it's a setting for just for Hosoda to go wild. But I will say that Hosoda is one that has always been very interested in the internet, you know, and... I guess the culture around it. I think he is a person that is aware, like aware of the, you know, how the internet works. Like, yeah, not technically, but emotionally, I will say that he has, he's very insightful to that. He, or at least is, he's always been interested in it because again, in summer wars, I mentioned my earlier review, you know, how I felt. Yeah. I think some of the parts of some, you know, Oz not the technical side, but the fact that, you know, it kind of mirrors how these big companies and how they just kind of control, you know, a lot of, you know, our daily lives and how or how they would love to. Like, you know, what Google does with Google Maps, Google, you know, search bar, YouTube and all that, you know, here, though, I feel that he is aware of. I, I can't exactly speak for how Japanese social media works. I can only speak from my experience here on the West, how it works here, or at least how I've witnessed it. And yeah, uh, Justin and his, you know, 
crew of soldiers. They're they're not hired by the creators of you. They are just they're keyboard warriors. They are they're the self you know righteous police. Like Justine you know mentions, it's like I've got my own sponsors. I'm the one keeping order in this place. He believes what he's doing is right, but Bell calls him out. It's like, no, you just want control. You know, and yeah, that's what he does. He, and that's what a lot of, you know, these corrupt moderators on Reddit or these keyboard warriors, the, the anti-SJWs, the SJWs, you know, like I, I'm talking like on the spectrum of like both sides, you know, like these extremes, like I've mentioned, how they really just they try to self police themselves to see what they think is right. Oh, and I've even watched a video pretty recently about Reddit and how the moderators they tend to censor stuff that they don't like and all that. It was a very interesting video, but to go on that, yeah people like those actually exist. And when it comes to the avatars, like, you know, Bell, and like the mirror ones, like Suzu and Bell, I think he's very much, you know, commentating or at least giving a nod to with uh, VTubers. How that's, like, Bell feels like a VTuber. You know, and of course, in Hosoda's fantastical world of you. But, yeah, you just create an avatar that you can hide behind, that you can get features, and that allows you to connect with the internet, be popular and all that. Yeah, it feels like Hosoda's, you know, at least in that aspect, you know, virtual, you know, stars with, <clears throat> for example, of like VTubers like Iron Mouse. I know uh, Girl DM. Uh, Code Miko, you know, all those VTubers, I feel like, yeah, you know, that that feels very much that uh, he's aware of their existence, and I feel like he's at least giving his nod, you know, to that side, but uh, even from that side, the scary part of, you know, the culture, and you know, the just the fact of the world of you itself is scary because for me that eerily you know makes me think of what companies like Facebook and Walmart what they want to do with the metaverse it's like this is what they want people to do this is like their idea like metaverse you know idea come to life where you never log off and stuff so i will say at least the idea of that you know just like i i, I will give kosoda credit where credit is due it does feel like he knows he's at least aware of what's going on maybe he doesn't have the right knowledge and all that but again i think you know he's He's on to something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess he has. He's more of an insightful person. I don't know how to read it much better than that. But 
anyway, I will end the part of my likes right here. Now I will go into my five dislikes slash criticisms. And I will admit this first one is a filler and is a very personal problem. Maybe even TMI. But screw it. I had to go to the bathroom near the end of the movie. Like, actually, right before or uh, right after Belle slash Suzu's big, you know, musical moment at the end, literally right after she stopped singing, I had to rush to the bathroom. So what happened? Like I mentioned before at the beginning of this episode, I had to drive an hour to the theater. Now. What I should have done is I should have went to use the bathroom before I went to, you know, movie. But that's what didn't happen. So I was holding it in throughout the, you know, like near the second half of the movie. And it just, it got to a point where my kidneys started to I was holding it. I was just like, yeah, I gotta go. You know, I can't hold it in for the rest of the movie, sadly. You know, so I had to miss a part of the movie. And then what also sucked about that is because I couldn't fully get into the emotions about it. And again, I know this is a personal thing. But because of that, I couldn't fully emotionally invest myself into like that beautiful moment of, you know, musical moment. You know, uh... By the way, from real quick, you know, about the mirror of internet culture. I know people said, like, go with the mom mentality. Mob mentality. I- I've heard at least a tweet or two mention, you know, the mob mentality. That doesn't, that's not realistic, but it's like, it is. It is very much realistic as someone who ha- knows of Twitter's existence and uses it. And sees all the hashtags. Yeah, mob mentality is very much a real thing in the internet. But anyway, how that influenced to this dislike slash story I'm telling is that, and during this moment, everyone that's like a fan of Bell, you know, who's around in this area, you, they like all get invested. And they start singing along with Bell, or not like by lyrics, but just the just, you know, the melody of it. Like, they try and encourage her to keep on singing. It's very beautiful, but I could not fully invest it because I was only focused on, I need to go to the bathroom. Please hurry up and stop singing so I can use the bathroom. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm sexist. I had to miss Kai, you know, seeing like, holy shit, Belle is this random girl I, you know, who accidentally revealed who I was. Yeah, there's this whole thing in the movie where Everyone's wondering who the heck is the beast and all that. So, and Suzu accidentally revealed the beast's real identity as Kai. And, yeah, so, anyway, the lesson of this story is go to the bathroom before you watch the movie. Don't be like me, don't be an idiot. But anyway, I got four points that I got to talk about. Uh, so now into the real dislikes slash criticisms. Get away from the filler one. Uh, first one is people have mentioned it. There's just some structural issues with the plot, which uh, there are people you know who like really get 
they couldn't get past it, and they negatively that negatively impacted their viewing experience, which is a shame because I think the pros of this movie outweigh all all the cons. But yeah, I do feel like some structural issues with you know the story and the writing, just how things are kind of placed and edited together sometimes. Like I felt like how we got from Suzu to Bell that was very it felt somewhat rushed i would have uh, loved to delve more into you know suzu becoming you know superstar bell so to speak i, I just felt that happens pretty fast but not super fast at the same time it's kind of weird like it's a weird structure going on uh, it's a little little shaky foundation. It's kind of hard to describe, but if you watch the movie, you'll you might see what I'm talking about. It just it felt more so like the problems, like the structural problems, were more happening in the beginning, like the first half of the movie. I like uh, the second half though. That felt at least a bit more focused, more structurally sound. But yeah, definitely the beginning. It was just like. It was weird. I was I, I guys think I like this, but I, it felt like there was something off. Uh, my next point is Justine, the Gaston. He kind of felt a bit underdeveloped as like a villain. Uh, yeah, there wasn't too much to him other than he's just a guy on the internet who has a lot of money backing him up for what he's doing and. He uh, wants to control everybody. You know, there's not much to him. You know, and to be fair, I guess there wasn't much to, you know, Gaston and Disney's Beauty and the Beast. But at the same time, you know, if he felt, I don't know, just I felt there was like after Bell, like right before, no, like yeah, right after Bell's big musical moment. You know, that gets to Beast to realize, oh shit, she is trying to help me. You know, he kind of just disappears and from the movie, you know. there's It's just, yeah, like him and his keyboard warriors. I forgot the, you know, what they call themselves in the movies, but in the movie. But yeah, he just felt like an undeveloped villain, a villain. Who's there to kind of just be the guy who can reveal, you know, your true self to the internet or to the world of you? Uh, my next point is uh, again with the writing. You know, I again I kind of understand where people are coming from with the writing, and I can see how people can get hung up for it. But yeah, there was a, I felt there was some unnatural expositional dialogue, and one Disney-esque trope that I want to talk about. I felt, I thought there was more, but now that I remember, I, I'm only thinking about the one. I'll, I'll just talk about the Disney-esque trope, and that is the mother dying. That That's very, that felt very like, that, that feels a bit Disney. That feels a little, oh, of course the mother's dead. Gee whiz. Never seen that before in a Beauty and the Beast movie. <laughs> but, yeah, so there was that. 
it's at least here at least it has some actual impact but yeah it just kind of was like oh mom's mama's dead yay but anyway the unnatural expositional dialogue it was definitely towards the beginning of the movie the one like the one scene specifically that i, I kind of just had a problem with bella's wondering like hey who's the beast and her friend not the popular girlfriend uh but the, she's definitely more of the geeky hacker friend who I forgot her name. Sorry. I'm not good with names, but she you know she's the one that helps Spell you know, run her business, her superstar online, but she's also Suzu's real friend and is the only other person who has actively who Suzu, you know, told about her being Belle. But anyway, Suzu's friend, she goes, oh, that's the beast. Those are the war, you know, defense warrior team, whatever. You know, it, it felt very unnatural kind of sort of dialogue just to kind of explain, oh, that's who that is. Oh, that's who that is. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just kind of weird. And on my final dislike or criticism, I guess there could have been a, gone a bit more into developing you. I will have to admit that there's just some things that some questions were like, how does you work? All that. And I just read this time. Personally, I would have gone more into like the more darker sides of you, like the possible addiction that you could provide. You know, just being addicted to you, never leaving the world of you. you know, that would have been an interesting, you know, place to take it. But, you know, so I guess I was a little disappointed that they didn't do that. But at the same time, on that, the darker side part was a little, dis you know, while disappointed, I, I understand that's not the movie's intention. You know, that's not really, you know, important to the movie's overall story. And, but again, with the developing one, yeah, they could have, it could have, you know, used a bit more workshop to kind of like flesh out the world, or at least just how everything worked a bit better. It, it's a very much, you got to view it as more fantasy than sci-fi. I guess that's the best way of viewing the world of you. But anyway, oh, my overall thoughts is that it is a very, very beautiful movie with like an epic visual scope. Like I, I forgot to mention this. The scope visually of this movie, especially with the world of view, is probably has probably uh, Hosoda's like most ambitious within terms of visual scope. Very ambitious there, and you know, it's a. I do think this is a very good movie. Definitely worth checking out. Although I, I don't think it's my personal favorite, but. Who knows, maybe after a couple of rewatches, my opinion may change. But I definitely can't wait to buy this on Blu-ray whenever it comes out. Uh, and also, I'm not going to do John vs. Critics for this one. As uh, one, it's pretty recent. Two, it was only on select theaters. You know, all that. There's you know, and while yes, there are actually negative reviews there on IMDb, there's about four one out of ten star reviews. 
none of them mean to feel like they were made in bad faith, but more so they were genuinely disappointed of what they saw. So I really only want to do John versus Critic on bad faith reviews. That's my goal. So if I feel that their critiques are justified, even if I think they're being harsh with it, I'm not going to really, you know, tackle. Like, I really don't want to make fun of those type of reviews, even if they seem like super harsh. Like, this movie's definitely not one out of 10. There's. But, yeah, anyway, that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean.com. And make sure to follow me on the socials. Links down in the description slash show notes down below. Thank you, for li- thank you for listening. And I hope to see you guys next time. Take care. On the next episode of John vs. Film, we embark on a tale about a single mother who has to raise her two very unique children. See you then.